0: Are you tired of scrolling your feed only to see the highlight reel version of motherhood? If so, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Motherhood Intended Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Baird, and I'm a passionate mom here to support women like you in their unique journeys to and through motherhood. I have been through it all. We're going to be talking about things like trying to conceive, infertility, IVF, surrogacy, mom life, and more. It's time to get real about what it takes to be a mom and come together in the fact that things don't always go as planned. So here we go. Welcome to the first preview of one of our bonus episodes. These episodes will typically be with me and my husband, Josh. So get excited. It's some extra fun content. We'll get the man's point of view. You'll get to know us as a couple a little bit more. And you know, we just get to have a little more fun with these episodes. So without further ado, listeners, you know me pretty well by now. I've told a lot of our story. I've mentioned a lot about me. If you haven't listened to episode one, maybe go back because I talk about myself a little bit. But now I want you to meet my husband. So, Josh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hello, party people. Uh, Great little, start. <laughs> little about me. Let's see. I'm A big fan of sports. I can eat pizza pretty much every single day. I do enjoy golf. I'm currently watching Netflix Full Swing. If you're any golf fans out there, check it out. Pretty cool. I turned the big four zero this year, which is rapidly approaching.
0: Oh, dang! Which
1: is uh, what are we gonna do? No clue. <laughs> Got to um, get that planned. Yeah, scary but awesome, right? I mean, I think people are saying what forties are the new thirties, so. So we'll uh, we'll see how that kicks off in the next uh 6 or 7 months.
0: <laughs> so what do you do? Well, I know what you do obviously but tell listeners, what do you do for work?
1: So if you listen to Hunter's episode, which is actually pretty (laughs) funny, I don't build cell phone towers, but I work for a company and sell the infrastructure to build cell phone towers, where what's called a build to suit. So we build for all the major carriers. So I'm a director of sales. So I don't do any of the climbing. I just do all the fun stuff.
0: So you will not find him at the top of cell phone tower.
1: No, you will never (laughs) find me at the top of a cell phone tower. That is a a no-no for Josh.
0: Although it's pretty hilarious how you've taught the Kids, especially Hunter. Well, no, actually, Noah's really good at mm-hmm. it too. To spot cell phone towers. Oh yeah. As we're driving around. Oh town. yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's a fun little game we play. What
0: do you like to do for fun?
1: For fun, if I can get away, I mean golf. Although it's <laughs> it's a very love hate sport. I do enjoy it, but also it's very frustrating. My running, working out, and then, you know, being here and hanging out with you guys. Family stuff is always good. Like hanging out with the family. Extended family is always fun to hang out with. I wished I had more of an exciting of a life, but. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll the season yeah. We're in. <laughs> yeah, I will, uh, I, I will take it.
0: We are going to a concert this weekend.
1: We are going to a concert this weekend
0: with my parents my aunt and uncle. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yep. It should be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. Last question. What do you love most about me?
1: <laughs> oh, Jacqueline. No, I'm just, kidding. I'm
0: I just don't, kidding. I don't even know
1: where to begin, honey.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm just joking. So today in this bonus episode, if you haven't go back and listen to the previous episode, episode 16, that was another glimpse of one of the bonus kind of bonus episodes to be doing is having our kids on the podcast here and there. It'll mostly be Josh and I because again, they're five and three. But I thought that'd be fun to do and Hunter really enjoyed it. And given the fact that it's his birthday week, it was just something special to do. So in the spirit of Hunter's birthday week, you know, he was born at 24 weeks, he was a micro preemie, he spent 120 days in the NICU. We thought a good bonus episode for this week would be for us to kind of go back in our memory and chat about our experience with him in the NICU. It was obviously four months long. And and well, while we've probably suppressed a lot of those feelings and memories, they are always very present, at least for me, when it comes to his birthday every year, because it was just such an impactful time and a scary time. And we're just so proud of him and where he is today. And then it's just mind blowing that he's five. Right. So, to kind of jumpstart the conversation and rejog our memory of this experience, because it has been, you know, five years, I am going to be referencing this article I found. It's called Seven Important Tips for NICU Parents. It's something I found on Lucy's List. It's an article by Elena H. I'm just going to kind of use her bullet points and then we're going to talk from there. So these are seven important tips for NICU parents. So the first tip she mentions is to be present. I definitely would say our experience with being in the NICU is that we were very, very present.
1: Yeah, and and again, I think we were very lucky because at the time we both have remote jobs. Right. Well, we both do still, but, you know, and we were able to be up there pretty much all day, every day, every day. Because of the flexibility of our jobs. Now, some parents may not have that flexibility. I feel for them because when your child is in the NICU, all you want to do is be there 24 7. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge perk for us because we were able to see and do and hear and experience a lot more things than I think a normal person or couple or yeah. in that situation. So
0: I'm curious, like how it is now, like post COVID, because oh, this was yeah. like 2018. So I mean, us with our remote jobs is actually not as common. But now a lot of people do have remote right, jobs. Right. But even with remote jobs, right? Like you're still trying to work. I mean, like you're lucky that a lot of your work was on the phone. Right. Like, I'm just lucky I was working for a really awesome company at the time and had a lot of flexibility and leeway to do kind of like the bare minimum during that time. But we saw a lot of parents going in and out of the hospital, you know, the five o'clock, six o'clock rush was real. And then they'd be there for a few hours, go home. And that was it. Well, then also
1: take into account the families that had kids in the NICU, but also had kids at home.
0: Right,
1: And again, we were Hunter at the time was our only child. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was 24, seven. There was no other concern uh, at home other than, you know, Stella, yeah. But I mean, that's also got to be hard, very, very hard to have children at home and go through that experience. Because if you don't have family around, you're basically tag teaming with your spouse, which could be emotionally and physically draining.
0: Yeah. And it got to the point where we were tag teaming eventually, because with four months, you know, we couldn't both be up there at the same time, just right. for our mental health, we kind of just made sure someone was always up there. But uh, we had a lot of things, which sounds weird to say, in regards to having a 24 weeker in the NICU, but we had a lot of things in that regard going in our favor, like you said, flexible jobs we also lived like 10 minutes away from the hospital, which right. was easy because a lot of people had to be transferred to that hospital. I mean- our home hospital is a level three NICU. And I know there were people from surrounding suburbs that were there. So their drive wasn't as close. The whole point is like, the tip is to be present as much as you can. Like we just said, everyone has their own scenarios. And like, we didn't have kids at home. So you might have other responsibilities. But you know, being able to make yourself known to doctors, nurses and staff, it just kind of helps them put a face like your face to your baby. And so they're not just a patient, they know that it's someone's baby, and it just helps keep them accountable. And you know, then they'll want to keep up on your baby's progress. And if you have a micro preemie or a child that is going to have a long stay, it's only going to make your experience better too, to really get to know the staff. Because there was a couple times I know like we kind of judged a book by its cover and You know, it's high stress times. There was a couple nurses where we were just like not pleased at first with like how things were going, or they didn't tell us this or they didn't do that, or everything is just heightened. You know, we'd miss one little thing or one thing wouldn't go to plan and then we'd be like stressed out. But the longer we were there and the more we openly talked to the staff and got to know everyone, I think it only helped. And truly, I think, I mean, you could speak to this too, but like the nurses really treated Hunter like it was their own child.
1: Yeah, I remember one time specifically where we were (laughs) coming in to see him, and one of the nurses hunter out of the front desk sitting with her and so you know at first i was completely shocked like what are you doing but also on the same token it was like i feel like they really cared for him as much as we did so that was pretty cool too
0: yeah i remember that that was like towards the end of his stay, right But still, it was like so weird for us to see him out of his room. (laughs) Right. But yeah, they truly just, they thought it would be good for him to just get out of his environment a little bit. And obviously they were holding him, which we were grateful for. I think another important thing too, is we always made sure to be there, at least one of us for when the doctors made the rounds. So whether we knew that the day before, or if it was at shift change, I don't know if it's 7am. So whenever, whenever we knew the doctors were going to be around, we tried to be there at that time because it'll make a world of difference hearing your child's progress firsthand instead of getting it passed down through the nurses until you finally hear it. And just for the doctor to see you face to face too. I mean we definitely got to know a lot of the doctors. I know the one doctor would literally just come in to chat with us. And yeah. then when she had nothing to like tell us or anything, she would just like come hang out with us.
1: Yeah, she was great.
0: Yeah. So the tip number two is do not move into the NICU. And that just means like When you can, or you should be sleeping at home, I should say. Like an incubator that most NICU patients are in, especially those born super early, it's supposed to simulate the womb. So the baby does not know at first that you're there and they are comforted and warm and cozy just like as best they can, like they were in your womb. The big tip is just to take shifts with your spouse. So I think we started doing this a little bit, like we'd split the day in half so that one of us could like really focus on work and then we'd like switch at lunchtime and then both do bath time at night. Mm-hmm or there's always some combination that we did. Um, so one of us was always there with him between the hours of, at first it was like sun up to sun down. Right. Um, and as the time went on and he was more stable, you know, it was more just like, I don't know, nine or 10, like 10 AM to 8 PM. But we'd take a break. Cause we always wanted to be there for both shifts of nurses to get to know them. And then, you know, bath time always happened at night. And it, a lot of it was based on his feeding schedule. Yeah, when she started I was trying
1: to remember what, why why it was important to be in the morning. I know shift changed, but there was also another reason why we we always try to be there from like, it was like around eight to noon. And then we
0: would, I think when he was doing like physical therapy and Uh, stuff that that usually would come like they would come around in the first half of the day. And I think too, I think like Dr. Rounds were often in the morning. Yeah. Hard to remember. But the whole point is you should sleep in your own bed. Um, You know, you have to take care of yourself and you'll need sleep and strength to be clear headed and advocate for your child. And honestly, sleep will just help you feel like yourself again. And I'll speak from experience. Like when you have a child in the NICU, you kind of forget that like you just had a baby. because all you're doing is thinking about your baby and how you are not taking care of them and what can you do? And especially for me in our experience, I mean, it wasn't a labored birthing experience and it wasn't a C-section. It was like a rapid delivery without any pain meds, but truthfully without much pain. But I had been on bed rest and on crazy meds like magnesium and steroids and stuff for eight days. So I wish I would have told my, I would, if I could go back, I'd tell myself like, dude, give yourself some grace Mm -hmm. because you have Bambi legs not moving for so many days. But truthfully, I think we were both like zombies at that point when he was born. Just like an out-of-body experience.
1: It was a crazy day.
0: Sure it was. But it's important. Get sleep. Go home. It'll be hard at first. But if you get into a routine, you'll get used to it and you'll know your child is in...
1: Good I'd say that's important I mean also depending on how long the stay is I mean you pray that your stay is minimal but if it is long term I would say a routine is important and try and get into a routine as soon as possible I mean I know it's a lot easier said than done because the first few weeks are extremely chaotic but if you can figure out a routine to stick that routine it's it'll it'll be worth it
0: yeah. And i I'll never forget when Hunter was born. Obviously, he was born at twenty four weeks. Like he was born March first, and his due date wasn't until June sixteenth. So I knew we'd be there in a while, but we didn't really know how that all worked at the time. And I remember I think it was you asked one of the nurses, and this was after like maybe three, four weeks. You were like, so when do you think, you know, he's going to be able to go home? You know, we just didn't realize the whole suck, swallow, breathe mm-hmm. learning process takes so long. I mean, the more we learned, we realized just how not developed his lungs and everything were, you know, or our babies are at that point. But I'll never forget when you asked, she was like, "Oh, well, what was his due date? And we were like, June 16th. And she's like, we're going to aim for that. <laughs> And he ended up being there like two weeks after his due yeah. date. Um, but keep that in mind when it comes to trying to survive the NICU. If you are become a NICU parent, just have that due date in mind and just Shoot assume. for, for that. Yes, yep, if, for if that. your child is going to be discharged sooner, then great. But at least you have that in mind. Right. That's, um, that's your end goal. Yeah. And truthfully, mm-hmm. like I remember when his due date came and passed, I wasn't actually upset because I knew that they were trying to get him off of all the things, you know, like no oxygen assistance, no feeding tube, anything like that. And, you know, he did, he didn't come home with any of that. And that would have been like a whole nother added stress layer and stress and things to manage when we brought him home. So the third tip to Nikki parents, which should be obvious, but when you're kind of in this traumatic situation and navigating all the things you might forget, but make sure you eat. Three
1: square minutes a day <laughs>
0: or like a lot of snacks but yeah i mean the hospital food depending where you're at it's probably decent at first but after four months not gonna lie you know what's good and you know what's not you know, and then you get sick of it
1: <laughs> it's like anything else it's like living in a dorm room your first semester truly yeah it's basically what it is
0: yeah that's a good only thing is there's, there's no
1: swipey card this is your own money it's not your parents correct so that sucks and no fun and no fun
0: no booze no booze in the hospital nope We would have our bar visits in between, but we
1: did. (laughs) and come back loopy, which was weird. But.
0: <laughs> that was like our church someday. some days. Yeah. Some days we just couldn't. And there was like a, there is like a little towny bar on the way to the uh, hospital. So some days instead of, you know, dinner in church, it was a burger and a beer to calm the <laughs> old nerves. <laughs> a
1: burger, three <laughs> beers.
0: Give or take. <laughs> also, I, I know not all hospitals have this, but if you're lucky enough to be at a hospital that has a Ronald McDonald house or Ronald McDonald room, we did find that pretty beneficial because then you can go down there and not only, that's where we, we met actually a
1: lot of other NICU parents. Yeah, that was actually I use the term pretty cool, but it was <laughs> a nice. Yeah, <laughs> it was a nice area to be able to meet other parents who were experiencing the same thing as you're experiencing. And we did find that a lot of the folks that we met, they were first time parents as well. So you ha- kind of had like a little camaraderie with those folks. And you know, we met a couple from New Zealand.
0: Yeah, New, New Zealand.
1: Zealand. Yeah, and, you know, it was just, It was cool to be able to hear their experience and, and how they, you know, ended up here and things of that nature. So it was. So we talk to them on a regular basis, but we still see them on Instagram and Facebook. So we get we're able yeah. to see their, their kids grow and vice versa. They have to see Hunter grow, which is kind of neat.
0: Yeah. It's like one of those things. that's like the club you never want to be a part of. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: But it was comforting. And yeah. And it was also just like it when we went down to the Ronald McDonald house, it kind of felt like we were in the hospital. You know, they had a TV and couches and you can grab coffee. And then like every day there was a dinner donated and they had snacks and stuff. When it comes to eating, see if your hospital has that. It's just a nice change of pace. I will say during this time, I did lose. I was in like my, I'm not going to say my best shape. I was at the weight I would love to be at, which is weird to say after, you know, being postpartum, but we just, uh, a few things like we were doing a lot of walking. The amount of times we would walk from the parking lot through the hospital to the NICU and back and up and down. And then just like running all over the place for four months straight. I don't think sat down a lot unless we were holding or feeding Hunter. Otherwise we were moving and shaking.
1: Rule of thumb, use the, use the stairs in the hospital. Yeah. not the elevator if you
0: really want to you know bright side this situation uh, and get in shape
1: right. keep that heart that. rate up people
0: well and truthfully i wasn't necessarily at first following tip number three of making sure to eat and you know it just became like not as important in the whole mix of things i would just like eat quickly out of necessity and move well, on that was
1: also totally the first couple of weeks right because like everything else you're on high alert but right. you know, once you could settled in and i'm going to use the term routine again food will accompany that
0: that's true yeah everyone's situation is different
1: or bring your own snacks that's another good one, too. That is another
0: good one. And I was pumping. So a lot of moms who, you know, have a child in the NICU, that's all you can do to help for a while, depending on your situation. But if your child is very premature and they have to learn how to suck, swallow and breathe, all you can do is pump milk, pump milk to freeze, pump milk for their feeding tube, and then they can slowly learn to have it and then hopefully breastfeed. That was not our route. I exclusively pumped for Hunter, but it honestly made me feel really good to be able to do that for him, which was like my... Well, and I didn't have any other children I was caring for at the time. So that made it a lot easier. Like my job was to pump, be up at the NICU and do my job. But I think that's not the reason why I was in like phenomenal shape. I was just burning cows left and right.
1: (laughs) Getting your pump on.
0: Yeah. Um, We were also really lucky when it came to food to have Um, we had friends give us gift cards to order food. Or I think even a couple of times, you know, our parents would like say, come by to our house after, you know, your visit at the hospital and I've got dinner or whatever. And it just made things a lot. It's just one less thing to think about. right? Right. So tip number four is to along those lines, like be sure to accept help from others. It can feel very like already a little isolating from being able to help your own child. I remember feeling, I know we both felt this way. Like we both felt like truly helpless because there was nothing we could do, but physically be there for the long, I mean, first couple weeks, there really wasn't anything we can do for nine days. We weren't allowed to hold him, you know, little by little, we were able to help with weighing him and changing diapers and then finally feeding and skin to skin and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you already feel like you can't do anything to help, which might make you feel like you can't accept help but that's just that's not true make sure you accept help from others we had a lot of people step up for us during that time our family and friends unfortunately during hunter's nICU stay i remember your grandpa passed away
1: yeah that was hard
0: yeah um it was hard for a lot of reasons obviously to lose your grandpa and then we were kind of at a standstill because it was just weird because we've never left hunter alone before we've always been up there every day and it was obviously it was like two days or something
1: that was a very quick trip it
0: was a very quick trip but we were very lucky that you know, we knew my mom would be up at the hospital with him in our absence and everything. So that was helpful. And then, yeah, we had our friends like gift us this big care package that had such a sweet card, letting us know they're there. um Gas cards, you know, because we're going back and forth multiple times a day to the hospital, even though we were lucky to live very close. But that was just a very sweet idea, along with like grocery gift cards and
1: Yeah, that was huge. DoorDash
0: and all the things. So it was just super helpful to know that we had so many people in our corner during this difficult time. So don't be afraid to accept help from others. The fifth tip is to familiarize yourself with your baby's care and don't be afraid to ask questions questions. I'd say overall, we did a pretty good job with that.
1: Yeah. And I don't have any shame. I asked as many questions as I (laughs) could or would or needed to. So I would say that too. Don't be be afraid because when you're in that situation, you have no idea what's going on unless you're a doctor yourself. So in my opinion, I'd ask as many dumb questions as you may think they are. I would just ask anyway. And that's what I did. I didn't care. And Um, I
0: appreciated that you did that because I probably had the same questions, but I always get in my head about like, oh, I should know this or I should do this. And like you would just blurt things out, which is what you need to do. It's your baby. Don't be afraid to ask. And we definitely got used to like familiarizing ourselves with his care. But I think that's just because also we're very, I don't know, not afraid to like get in there. and Right. Even being first time parents, I mean, obviously the first couple of times holding him and changing his diaper and stuff, you feel a little nervous and everything, but we got to know his routines. And to the point I'd say we're like...
1: Towards the end of the day, we basically did everything ourselves. I mean, like we'd go there, we'd change him, we'd feed him. You know, if his uh, items used to monitor him, they needed, if they were tangled, we'd take them, unplug them, plug them back in.
0: Yeah. We weren't afraid to like mess with cords to fix it. Or like, I know there were times and I'm forgetting why now, but we'd have to, we could like silence... Uh, well, beeping cool.
1: yeah that's cool. if this o2 went below i think it was like 80 or 90 or whatever it would the to basically make a beeping sound and we knew it, his oxygen would come right back up so we yeah just like off. we
0: knew what was going on and so did the nurses on there like we didn't need to hear it so we were like but just mute it i don't know if that was loud or not I don't know either. um but yeah we got real comfortable yeah, like I said, in real that room comfortable. Yeah. yeah this wasn't on the list but like familiarizing ourselves with care and asking questions you know they did give us a folder and i think a place to like take notes or ask questions for their right down questions. But I actually had a big wall calendar that we used to kind of stay positive every single day, we would write a positive thing that happened that day. And then I'd write how much he weighs and then how many mls of milk he was taking that day. So we could kind of like look back and see his progress and everything. And that was super helpful. It was like a nice visual. And it's super easy, because it was just like one little thing, you know, anything that could fit on a square on a little calendar, you know, took his first poop, first bath, opened his eyes, you know, I don't mm-hmm. even know. Some days it was just not a lot of beeping, or you know, yeah. like it was some the, the wins were often small, but um, it was still really Small, helpful. but many. I didn't know it'd be such a hot commodity in his room. And I think my sister gave it to me or something. It, I can't remember, but it was a banner, like a sparkly gold banner that said, you got this. And I don't know why I had it. It was at home or something. I don't know, but brought it to the hospital, hung it up above his hospital window. And I don't know, the doctors just all really, really liked that. They're like, you guys are so positive all the time. And I think looking back, it's kind of like we didn't really know any other way to
1: yeah. <laughs> i mean we were positive i mean what's I was, I was actually trying to think of the correct term to use it's like um ignorant only really bliss maybe is that is that the right terminology yeah. for this because again you don't know what you don't know so right. he, against all the odds and against all the percentages that they said hunter when i forget when he was first born he's got x amount percentage to live but i guess for me and, and i'm sure you felt this same I mean, there was never a doubt in my mind that he wasn't going to survive, nor would he not come home. Yeah, you know, I think my only concern was because, like anything else, I'm like, how long do we going to stay in this freaking hospital? Right? <laughs> like that was my only. And again, like, you, know, you know, one month turned to two, turned to three, turned to four, and I can tell you mm-hmm. by like mid June, his actual due date, and then we didn't get out to June 28th. Yeah, and I was ready to to break that. I know hospital the, down. those
0: last two weeks, we were both probably people were like, oh god, yeah. here, they, here they come. Yeah, those yeah. last two to three weeks, we were both had probably some attitudes because we were just like. Come on. Can't yeah. anymore. <laughs> Plus, I think at that point we were like, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't until like the last week though that he fully came off oxygen and stayed right. off. And and same thing with his feeding. So I mean, obviously they wouldn't keep him if he shouldn't be there. But yeah, you're right. I was like, okay. But okay.
1: you know, in the same second, we learned a lot too, especially with his club feet, and you know, we learned how to take care of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when he they were in casts and then when he moved to boots. So pros and cons. It was definitely a lot more pros, you know, for selfish reasons. We just wanted to get the hell out of that hospital.
0: Yeah. But like you said, familiarizing ourselves with how to help care for Hunter, like changing his diaper and what all the beepings meant and everything, it does help you feel like you're a part of it. And obviously, you want to know what's going on with your child. So definitely
1: makes you feel like you're caring for your child at that point. Right. You know, yeah. because it's hard just to sit up there every day and just watch and be like, oh, okay. But when you actually get in there and you're doing the things, then, you know, then you can be like, okay, it's real. I am taken care of, you know, his or her to a certain extent.
0: And let's be real. We weren't asking questions and getting in there like our parents were. Our parents were always asking questions and wanting to know his routine and the latest on Hunter and they were very involved as well. So. We all had his back. 100%. Tip number six, don't be afraid of your baby. I know that might sound silly because it's your baby, but especially when you have a baby born super premature or something very serious going on while they're in the NICU, chances are they're going to be hooked up to a lot of different cords. Preemie babies look very fragile a lot of the time. So just don't be afraid of your baby. The doctors and nurses and staff aren't going to give you your baby to hold or have you help with something if they didn't think it was safe.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, they're going to be there to guide you and, you know, again, if you're a first-time parent and you're nervous to to hold your child, you know, they're going to be there to show you the proper way to hold your newborn, especially, you know, during the skin-to-skin or people call it kangaroo-cricket-rooing. <laughs> uh,
0: kangaroo-care.
1: Uh, oh, kangaroo-care, whatever.
0: <laughs> people call it kangaroo <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, they're going to be there to guide you through all that. So, I mean, again, they're they're always going to advocate for you. And their goal at the end of the day is to get your baby home as quickly as possible, with the best care as possible. So, but I wouldn't look at all negative because you are going to be taught certain things and certain techniques that that are going to come in handy when, when baby's home. So,
0: yeah. So just like trust the nurses and doctors. If they're having you help with something, like they feel confident that you can do it and they want you to be involved because they're looking out for, I will say, firsthand, our nurses... They looked out for our well-being as well, you know. they were super legit. Yeah. I mean, it'll take a toll, especially if you have a, a lengthy stay. It'll take a toll on your mental health. And, you know, it's not natural for parents not to be with their newborn child, so... They're just trying to involve you the best they can. And it's easier said than done, right? Not being afraid to do things because I remember, you know, the first couple of times changing him, I did feel like I could break him. I mean, his arms and legs were so tiny. And then when we were doing skin to skin, you know, he's still hooked up to all of the things. And there were some days where like, it would keep beeping and his oxygen levels would keep dropping and he'd keep desatting. And I remember the one day where the nurse had to put him back in, in his, isolate uh, yeah and it thinks in, in is isolate because it just was too much for him that day
1: don't beat yourself up about that he's a baby he's a human so they're gonna have good days and bad days and so you just gotta remember that too that baby could be out and about for you know 10 15 minutes which their time is like an hour or they can be out for a minute or two right it's like anything else they have their good days and their bad days
0: yeah that's a really good point because in general the journey is kind of like that right i feel right. like we take like two steps forward one step back but like you said that's that's life and they're human and nothing is Just like boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Nothing's ever had easy. The last tip, tip number seven, is kind of what Josh started to say is to like take advantage of the education that's offered. There are definitely not a lot of pros to spending time in the NICU, but this is truly one of them, especially as first time parents. I don't know if we realized it at the time, but in hindsight and bringing home a second child that didn't stay in the NICU, we really realized everything we got prepared for during Hunter's NICU stay, meaning like, we were taught how to change his diaper we were taught how to properly feed we knew what reflux looked like we knew what his breathing should look like we knew how to do certain medicines we knew everything about oxygen levels and growth charts and i mean you name it we were just we were taught it we, we were taught how to give him his first bath take his temperature everything from like butt cream to <laughs> Dressing him, right?
1: Yeah, I would say the most important lesson that I personally learned was about the reflux because mm-hmm. that's you don't know, like that's that was pretty challenging. But like once you see it and you, and you notice it, you know what it looks like. And because you know, I think with Hunter, we'd have all probably like felt like every like five to seven seconds to so he could catch up, catch his breath, make sure he yeah. wasn't having reflux. And so you know, again, without that practice, I mean, I'm a dad. I got a game on. I'm going to be having to bob <laughs> in the baby's mouth, and poor little dudes over there. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. So
0: well, not only that, I don't. We wouldn't really know what was going. I would just be like, "Oh my god, and he just keeps throwing up!" Like I wouldn't yeah. have had any idea what reflux is to yeah. be honest. Even is, and um, you know, we did later find out that Hunter had a, a tongue and a lip tie that had to be addressed. But yeah, I without,
1: without pray,ing your kids have that because I was um, to watch that have to happen to your kid Holy like crap. to be corrected.
0: Ugh. I know that wasn't great. I was excruciating. Although I think it's actually pretty common. Even our nephew has a tongue and yeah, I know, cheek but I'm and just saying tongue. like. So yeah. It wasn't it wasn't fun. Our NICU stay with Hunter. And I say it like that because like I felt like we were just living in the hospital with him and all the doctors. They were like our second family. Yeah. But this is just a glimpse of it. We just wanted to share a little bit of our insight this week as we reflect how Hunter came into this world. And I'll never forget the day we brought him home. It was obviously a long time waiting just based on the fact that he was in the hospital for four months, but also because we had gone through infertility prior to him and As you know, our story, we had unexplained infertility for a while and then miscarried the twins and then did a round of IVF and he was our first IVF baby. So it was a long time coming. And so to then finally be able to take Hunter home was truly just surreal. It was
1: amazing. And I will say this too, and and this is a very positive thing too. So for four months, we had very, very, very expensive babysitters. (laughs) (laughs) And I will tell you that they trained that little boy very well. So what I mean by that is he slept probably every night for like six or seven hours. Yeah. There was very minimal getting up to feed him
0: which is why I Noah I rocked our world. Yeah, and that's why we <laughs> brought Noah
1: home and that little shit was up every like 2 to 3 hours. I was like, this isn't mm-hmm. real life. Can we put him? Can we give him to the NICU <laughs> yeah. for a couple
0: months? Yeah. This is uh, a good. This is a good point. I'm not going to call it like the positive experience of a NICU, but it's definitely we're going to we're going to hit you with some bright side Bullet points. I don't have a bright
1: side for me because I mean. honestly,
0: and I want you to remember these because there's not going to feel like there's a bright side for a really long time if you're a NICU parent. It's scary. You don't know what's going on. You just want your child to be healthy and happy right. and home. um but these little things, and a lot of this is in hindsight, of course, because yeah. while we were in it, we didn't realize these were the bright side of things. Right. But you are absolutely correct. Like we had nannies, like yeah. that. They've like,
1: oh, want you guys just go? It's a Friday night. Why are you here? Go out and have go out and have dinner, or go out and have a drink. And I was like, you got this. Like, yeah, you're paying for us. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. Let's go and do this. When the
0: jokes started flying around the NICU floor, yeah. like. That's when you know. Yeah, when the you've, nurses, you've, you've been yeah. there for a while. When
1: they started giving us shit for being there too much, that's when we were like, All right, "Yeah, maybe we are." Right. I think I mean, it was
0: like three months in. Literally, yeah. and they were like, "You guys should like go on a date."
1: Yeah, yeah. And you're
0: like, "What?" Yeah, because <laughs> you you feel guilty. You're like, "How could we just go out to dinner and go on a date when like our child is here right. and thank you?" But. It is for your own health. It is. I mean, you, you need that,
1: right? <laughs> you know, especially as uh, you need that connection too with your spouse, right? You need to be Absolutely. able to, uh, to st- I mean, again, it's, even though you have a child that's in the NICU, it, it's still, that child won't be there without, you know, you and I. So right. you need to make sure that relationship stays important. But then to take it a step further too, just the relationships that we have with that nursing staff and the doctors, we still follow pretty much every one of those nurses on social media and vice versa. In fact, one of the doctors, he has his own winery in Napa, which is absolutely amazing. And so he's one of our favorite people. And in fact, he gave us
0: his personal email address, told us to come on out whenever. And we still need to take him up on that. But we do. Hashtag parenting.
1: <laughs> and he was there for Noah. He was there for when we yep. had Noah during his C-section and it was, and that's cool. I don't think that was random. I'm sure you saw our name on the, the old C-section list. I don't know if that's called, but it was like, all right.
0: <laughs> it's surely a, a list. I yeah.
1: don't know. <laughs> um, and he's just, he's just a good dude. One of my favorite people.
0: Yeah. So knowing that, and this all goes back to, yeah, like the relationships we built at that hospital made us feel comfortable and not feel like we had to feel guilty for doing something like that. You know, it hasn't been easy, not just for Hunter, but through infertility and loss and parenting and everything, for the most part, always come together and turn Mm -hmm. into each other. I remember people telling me after our first miscarriage, just make sure, you know, you and your husband make yourselves a priority because things like this can tear couples apart. And that is a very true statement. I didn't realize at the time, but I don't think we could have gotten through the NICU and everything that Hunter went through without really coming together on that. So while you're child is in the hospital just really nurture your relationship too and make that a priority still because again that's going to be the best thing for your baby too
1: right and that's also gonna be the hardest thing to do is is to put yourself first especially in a situation like that but it's like anything else in life you have to make sure that you are your best self in order to give everyone around you the love and support and, and best version of you
0: and that carries into parenthood, although I feel like it gets harder to do because oh, yeah. oftentimes we need to circle back with each other and being like, oh, my God, like we, we're drowning and we can't. No wonder we're having a hard time yeah. parenting toddlers because we need to take care of ourselves better.
1: Right? I mean, I've never wanted to try, pick a toddler so bad.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. The term three major could not be more accurate.
1: Mm, 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 mm. For those boy. wondering, it
0: was a hard day with Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Bless little boy. his little heart. He is something. He's special on all the best ways. So along with yeah, like having these built-in nannies, a couple other things to mention. Hunter coming home was on like a, beautiful sleep schedule. You know, a lot of times newborns have their days and nights mixed up. Not Hunter, because they had him up during the day the best they could. He would sleep at night. Yeah, there was no, I think he was sleeping six hours straight when he came home. That was glorious. Um, And again, he essentially was like, I'll say like 42 weeks or like a two week old from his due date. He was like a newborn, even though really he was like four and a half months old. Right. But developmentally it was like bringing home a newborn. So that was awesome. Also, when they were telling us about tummy time in the Mm -hmm. hospital, I mean, we didn't really know much about that because they would just at one point start having him like on a little boppy in his uh, isolate like on his tummy. And I'll never forget the first time I walked in there and he was like peering up like yeah, on his he, belly. He and I was like, turtle. oh, I was like, can you do that? Are you allowed to do that?
1: You look like a little turtle.
0: Yeah. But he was so used to it. So when we brought him home to do tummy time and everything, he was not only pretty strong, but he enjoyed it. And his head was like perfectly, perfectly shaped. Perfectly round. Perfectly <laughs> round. Yeah, he was being rotated all the time in his isolate, you know, we didn't have to worry about that at first. And and it helped his feet too. So I know I've talked about this in another episode, but you know, Hunter had club feet. So he was born with both of his feet, like turned in. And we knew that at his 20 week ultrasound at the anatomy scan. So we knew that going into it, we did not know we'd be meeting him four weeks later. Right. But in that regard, that was a little bit of a bright side yeah, too, absolutely. because therapy started right away.
1: I mean, yeah, I believe it was literally right away. Yeah.
0: Maybe once he was stable, of course, I think
1: it was like two weeks. Two weeks. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that helped him a lot because I've talked to other women who have children born with club feet as well. And they're still wearing boots or had to do therapies or casting a lot longer than him. And, and truthfully, I don't think club foot kind of get more severe than what he had. Yeah, I his mean, was
1: They were pretty much at a 90 degree angle. Like that was pretty wild to see.
0: Yeah. They were very, very turned in. So that was another miniature silver yeah. lining. Yeah. And then the other thing we kind of mentioned with getting sleep, get sleep while you can, because then your baby comes home and we all know how that goes. Then you're you, you self defeat, although we were very blessed that he was a pretty good sleeper. But that's a weird pro is that <laughs> you are not just birthing a child and then not getting rest. You actually, if you can get yourself to somewhat take advantage of some of these things, especially as the mom, you can focus on recovering from your birth by getting rest and taking care of yourself and not having to, you know, feed every two hours and things like that. So, another weird bright side.
1: But it's a bright side. It is a bright
0: side. I think we'll end this episode with. Just a couple funny memories that pop into our brain of Hunter's stay in the NICU. And I realized I'm talking about the NICU like everyone should know what it is. I just kind of assume everyone does. But if you don't, the NICU, N-I-C-U, it stands for Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. Probably should have said that at the beginning. But if you didn't know, now you do. We obviously have the same story in our brain of the funniest, funniest, not in the moment, funny now. Honestly, it was alarming. (laughs) But do you want to tell it?
1: Yeah, I just remember the aftermath, but yeah, I went into change Hunter, and it was just a full blown.
0: Well, wait, let me li- paint. Sorry, only because I'm remembering now. I'll paint the picture. So, like, when your baby's in the isolette, it's like a little clear box, more or less, and there's like little armholes, basically, oh, yeah. where you can oh. put your hands in. Right. And especially in the first, I don't remember when he moved to an open air crib, which is just like a yeah, regular that crib. Was, that but was a
1: long time.
0: Probably three months in. So, like the first few months, you are literally unless he's on your on you like skin to skin, you are putting your hands through these hand holes in the box just to change a diaper and get him dressed and things like that. And it's really hard to do. I mean, I think we got good at it. But just to paint the picture, like that's how you're going yeah, in to change that. his diaper, like hands in the handle. There's like walls around him.
1: Yeah. And that was difficult. And then again, I mean, trying to change a diaper on a 24 week or 25 week or 26 week or, and then with all those other things in the way to do it. Anyway, nonetheless, the funny here, here's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go change his diaper. And he literally was like a liquefied shit all over my hand and all over the isolate. It,
0: when I tell you, it was like a lever. It was yeah. like he lifted his legs up to white yeah. and it shot out. And it, it was, was like a especially cannon. Especially alarming because he's in the isolate. And, and it, just it just
1: smeared. Covered oh,
0: God. the walls of the clear isolate box that he is in. And it was so graphic. Yeah. And we were both. I was appalled. <laughs> was like speechless. And I was just like, how did that just come out of this tiny, tiny little human with such force?
1: And for anyone who has newborns, you know, it's that like seedy orange, <laughs> just gnarly, just. Ugh. Oh
0: my God.
1: Yeah, it was pretty bad. We'll but, never
0: forget that though. But
1: that was, you know, and again, in a time like that, it was really good to have a really good like belly laugh, you know, a really. I think
0: that's also why it sticks out in my, our brains, because that might've been the first time we laughed. Yeah, in like weeks, a month, probably at that point. But yeah, that that visual is ingrained.
1: That was probably my best highlight. And just the milestones, right as you got to order. And I would say another great day was when they took the breathing tube or or the yeah breathing to the I, cannula. I, thank you. Oh, goodness. Yeah. When he was breathing on his own, I mean, it's a huge milestone, especially since, you know, his lungs were so underdeveloped, right. To be able to be off the cannula and breathe on his own. That's a huge milestone. And you got to look at those little wins as as great things. And, and well, and that one
0: was a big one. I mean, obviously we never thought we'd be getting excited that our son is just breathing Breathing on
1: his own um
0: but it was pretty amazing to witness after watching him hooked up to things for so long the other memory that uh, we weren't we were not there for this but like i remember the nurses telling us that they always called him like a little houdini because he was so small but so feisty and i think like, like obviously from the beginning because when he was kicking like in my stomach the few weeks before he was born i mean i literally thought well and i guess i was kind of right but it felt like he was trying to kick his way out and then he did because he came out feet first and and he's still that way. He's still like very aggressive in his movements and like active and everything. But yeah, they used to call him like a little Houdini because they were flabbergasted that he could even wiggle out of. He got out of his diaper a couple times. And mm-hmm. we're talking like within a month of being there, like he's tiny. He's still learning to do all the things. And he's just like wiggling out of diapers. And then further along when he did have casts on his feet, he got out of his casts one of the times yeah, too. Yeah, it was
1: pretty funny too.
0: Yeah, it was just like came off and looked like a boot. <laughs> I'm sure the podiatrist that came in was like
1: How the hell this can do this? This is the first. This is the first. Nonetheless, it was uh, an experience I never want to experience again. But yes. in hindsight, it prepared us for it gave us a, an extreme crash course in parenthood. So for that, I'll take it.
0: And I think we definitely both just look at both of our children in a little different light just because we are just so amazed how babies can even come into this world. You know, we've had us a, such a hard time even getting pregnant and then bringing them here and then watching our son develop outside of my body. You know, you really see the amazing things that take place for a baby to become full term and breathing. And it's just amazing. And so I look at both of our sons in just awe every day. And now Hunter is five. So I think that's all we have for you today. Thanks for joining us on a little preview of what a bonus episode might sound like. We're planning to do all sorts of episodes with these bonus ones. The beauty of it is we can have a little more fun with it and do whatever we want. So this one felt timely because of Hunter's birthday, but we do have some other episodes coming up that in involve bringing you in on one of our date nights where we do a little 21 questions for each other rapid fire style oh yeah (laughs) we may or may not be enjoying some wine then we do a little true or false with women's health and fertility so i will be asking josh some fertility questions and we'll see how much he knows thank you chicago and now everyone's deaf thanks for being on the podcast (laughs) thank you chicago that's all that's all i want to is that your sign off it's my sign off but everyone's listening not just chicago yeah okay we'll workshop it
1: yeah thank you so much for having me on your podcast jacqueline i really appreciate it <laughs> until next time
0: i like the thank you chicago better i know as always thank you for listening to the podcast i hope you enjoyed hearing from not only me but my husband as well So over 10% of babies born in the U.S. are born prematurely. So I know listeners out there have experienced a baby in the NICU, or unfortunately, maybe you will experience this at some point. I just want to say that we are here for you. Use me as a resource. Use me as a sounding board. You know, what we shared today weren't necessarily our thoughts five years ago when we were going through it. But at this point, reflecting back, we can truly speak from a place of wisdom and share our experience with clearer thoughts. And we could definitely be a good resource to help you navigate a NICU stay. So if your baby is born premature or you find your child in the NICU for whatever reason, Just know you're not alone. There are plenty of people out there who have experienced this as well, and you can always refer back to this episode or reach out to me at motherhood underscore community on Instagram. You can send me a DM. You can message me on Facebook through the Motherhood Intended Community Group. Just know that I'm here for you. You can vent. You can ask questions. You can ask for advice. You don't have to experience the NICU alone. And speaking of community and support, as I've promised, the Motherhood Intended podcast now has a Patreon account. That's right. We are offering two ways to subscribe for additional content. So the first tier is the Motherhood Intended Plus subscription. This will give you access to two bonus episodes per month. These episodes will bring you fun, helpful, and even more new content to enjoy. You can expect to hear from both myself and my husband, as well as the occasional guest appearances from our kids. The second tier is the Motherhood Intended Plus community subscription. These subscribers get access to those two bonus episodes a month as well but also access to a patron only community for fans to connect with each other and to me. So in this group you can expect meetups, live Q&As. This patron only community is going to be a more focused way to connect women with each other. If you are a mom of toddlers, we can connect you with other moms of toddlers. If you are going through infertility, we can connect you with other people who are going through infertility. Maybe you have experienced a loss and we can connect you with women who have experienced similar situations. It's It's just going to be a more focused way to build a community that is helpful for everyone. And in addition to the bonus episodes and the patron-only community, you'll also get a monthly shout-out on a podcast episode. So that'll be fun to hear every month. Each subscription is a monthly subscription. You can cancel at any time, and both subscriptions directly benefit the production of this podcast. So thank you in advance for supporting this show. There's a link in the show notes to subscribe and become a patron of the podcast, so be sure to click that if you're interested. And I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend and I will talk to you next week.